Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Wednesday. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to goodranchers.com slash Allie. That's goodranchers.com slash Allie. All right, guys, today we are talking about a couple things. We are going to talk about the Brooklyn shooting at the subway in New York City and why that matters and why we shouldn't expect the media to cover this story and similar stories fairly, but why it actually matters, why it actually matters that we talk about the uncomfortable and inconvenient truth of all of this. And then we're going to talk about what's happening in Shanghai. And we had originally scheduled an interview today with Ross Kennedy. We've had him on before. He is awesome. He's an incredible guest. He talked to us about supply chains and logistics and why we're having the supply chain issues that we are a few months ago. And it was one of the most popular episodes that we have ever done in the four years of Relatable. So we are going to get him on sometime soon, hopefully tomorrow. But unfortunately, we just had a last minute scheduling conflict today. And so we're unable to talk to him about that today. And so we're just going to focus on um, on these two stories and we will get to supply chains and possible food shortages and inflation and get him to break all of that down for us in a very simple way very soon, hopefully maybe even tomorrow. But if not, um, then next week. Uh, before we get into the stories, I'll start with something a little bit light since the stories that we're going to talk about are a little bit heavy. So I know that I've been talking to you guys about wanting to start working out again and possibly doing CrossFit. And I just wanted to give you an update there because I, I know I told you that um, I was going to do CrossFit like the week before last and then last week. And truly, it wasn't just me being flaky. I just hadn't been able to do it. And there's only like two classes that our schedule works for my husband and I to both go at the same time. And so we are probably going to go sometime soon, but I'm telling you what I'm the challenge that I'm about to start doing so that you guys can hold me accountable. It doesn't really have to do with CrossFit, but it has to do with my desire to be fit again, because it's taken me a lot longer um, this go around this postpartum period that I did last time to actually get back into working out and all that good stuff and eating healthy. So I don't know why it took me longer, but it just did maybe busyness, who knows. But um, I am going to for the next 30 days. So well, my husband has been doing this thing called 75 hard. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's like where you do difficult things for 75 days. Like you have to work out twice. One of them has to be outside and you don't just have to work out twice for an unspecified amount of time. Like it has to total an hour and a half. And so work out twice. You have to like read 10 pages of a book. You have to eat some kind of not, I don't want to say diet, but some kind of like healthy meal plan, some kind of eating discipline. 75 days is really long. It's really long to do a challenge like that. And my husband has done it every single day, which is not surprising because my husband is super disciplined and I'm very impressed, but I'm not surprised. He's been like that since I met him and he didn't even need to like lose any weight or anything. He just wanted to challenge himself. Most of us don't have the self-discipline to challenge ourselves at all. And then to actually stick with it every single day. There have been so many days, guys, 
where it's because like our love language we just want to like eat ice cream and watch a show together and just like veg on the couch at night that is our love language and has been for a very long time so there have been so many nights where he could have just been like you know what i'm just gonna take a break or i'm just going to make an exception or it's fine or it's been a hard day or i'm really tired and he is literally committed to this every single part of it every single day and now he is on day 40 i think today is day 45. And so that's amazing. I'm very proud of him. And I never even pretended like I was going to do it. Um, But he so for the next 30 days, for the last 30 days of his 75 day challenge, I am going to join in, but not as much. I here's I'm starting. I don't want to I don't want to like disappoint and then be or like get burnout or get mad at myself when I don't follow something. So I don't want to set the expectations too high. So for the next 30 days, I am going to do a healthy eating plan, not a diet, but just a healthy eating plan, incorporate better foods into my diet. I'm not going to tell you which one because I'll, you know, it doesn't matter what it, what it is. I'll get a thousand messages saying, you don't, you shouldn't do this. You should do this. So I'm not even going to tell you. I will just allow you to think that it is the healthy eating plan that you think that I should do. And then I'm going to work out once a day, 10 to 30 minutes. That's what I'm going to give myself. Maybe it'll be an hour. Maybe it'll be an hour and a half some days. But I'm going to give myself the bar of 10 minutes because if I tell myself I only have to work out for 10 minutes, then I'll do it. But if on a day where I'm traveling or something like that, and it's like, oh, I just can't do 30 minutes, then I won't work out at all. So I think it's actually better to tell myself, okay, 10 minutes, and then I'll just do it when, but it could be, I could actually work out for 45 minutes, but I'll just give myself that low bar. So for the next 30 days, and if you want to do it with me, I'm not going to like make it a whole hashtag on social media or anything. But if you want to do it with me, like if you're in the same boat that I am, whether you're postpartum or not, or whether you are in shape or not, and you've just kind of taken a break, whatever it is, we can do it together and you can hold me accountable and we can encourage one another. So for the next 30 days, pick your eating plan, whether it's Mediterranean, whether it's keto, whether it's, um, I don't want to say whole 30 because that lady is super crazy woke and I just refuse. But something, something that is healthy, even if it's just incorporating more vegetables into your diet and working out 10 to 30 minutes every day. And I'm saying this is someone who hasn't worked out in a while. And so if you're like, I can't do it, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Um, even if it's just like a 10 minute walk, if that's where you need to start or a 10 minute jog or a five minute jog and a five minute walk, even if it's just like air squats, whatever it is, we can do it for the next 30 days. So let's just challenge ourselves. And those of you who are already super in shape, we'll just keep going, keep going. Um, All right, now we're gonna get into some of the bigger stuff, but let me tell you about our sponsor. And that sponsor is Birch Gold. All right, the global upheaval caused by Russia's invasion of Ukraine and also everything that was happening leading up to that, the crippling sanctions on Russian trade are showing to have massive ripple effects across the world, including right here in the United States. It's not just at the gas pump. Food prices are soaring right now, which again, all of that was happening before the invasion too, but certainly the invasion has not made it any 
better. To quote President Biden, with regards to food shortages, it's gonna be real. Yikes. Friends, inflation continues to skyrocket as the dollar becomes worth less every day. You need to transition some of your nest egg to something of worth with gold and silver from Birch Gold. That's right. Birch Gold will help you convert an IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered account in gold and silver. Get started now. Text Allie to 989-898. With thousands of satisfied customers and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, Birch Gold can help you protect your savings. Text Allie to 989-898 to get a free info kit on gold. There's no obligation once you get this info. Text Allie to 989-898. Protect your savings with gold. That's Allie to 989-898. The shooting that happened in New York City at a subway station there, just a terrible, tragic incident. Thankfully, right now, No one has died. There are several people, I think six people who are in critical condition right now. And so we should be praying for them. We should be praying for the families of those victims, praying that they pull through, that they survive. And gosh, there I mean, there are so many issues that are attached to this. There is a potential lack of policing that, of course, has been a really big problem in major cities, including New York City, especially for the past couple of years because of the progressive policies that have tried to reverse the tough on crime policies that used to be in place in New York City and made New York City a much safer place than it is now. There's also the issue that this guy was on the FBI watch list, terrorist watch list until 2019. What happened? Why was he taken off the watch list? Why does this seem to be a pattern? Like, this is probably something that we should care about. And then there's this unfortunate reality, which I don't like to talk about, but I think is important to talk about because the truth actually matters and we should be able to decipher and discern the bias coming from our our, our media that shapes how we think about things and then goes on to shape policy. And that is that this guy happens to be a black man. Now, his race doesn't really matter, except that he had also espoused on his YouTube channel black nationalist views. So we're talking about Nation of Islam, Farrakhan. He had posted, this is according to Andy No, who has done a lot of digging on this. He had posted, Dear Black Jesus, please kill all the whiteies. He had recently posted a YouTube video bemoaning the fact that Katanji Brown Jackson is married to a white man. He called himself a messenger of Allah, and he had threatened violence generally many times, which is, I guess, why he used to be on the FBI watch list. And so this guy had espoused black nationalist views, and then he goes and he shoots up a subway. I don't know the races of all the victims. I'm not even saying because I don't know that there was racial animus behind this particular attack. So I'm not going to do what the left does whenever a white person is a perpetrator of a crime. They immediately assume it's because of white supremacy. They immediately assume because it's uh, it's because of white nationalism and racism and some kind of prejudice. They assume because a negative interaction happens between a white perpetrator and a non-white victim that it's because of racism. I'm not even assuming that here, even though we have far more evidence that that could be the motivation here than we do in most of the other crimes that we see when a white person is perpetrating the crime. It's just assumed that that's the motivation because unfortunately that's how our media works. Now, this matters because motives matter, but it also matters because 
I think I can probably safely bet that if it were not for conservative media, this story would go quietly into the night, that it would just disappear from the mainstream media. They don't want to talk about it. Twitter doesn't want it to trend because we've been told by the DOJ, we've been told by the FBI, we've been told by this administration, and we have been told by left-wing activists that the biggest threat to our safety and stability as a society is white supremacists and white nationalist terrorism. Now, a lot of people have been very curious about that claim and skeptical about that claim. It really seems to be more of a political dividing tactic to try to associate white supremacists with Republicans and Trump supporters and say that that's, you know, our biggest threat. But I think that we should all just be thinking a little bit critically about that, that wouldn't you have heard about more of those attacks and more of those plots over the past couple of years? Do you think MSNBC or CNN would have wasted a single moment not talking about those things, even if they just had a little bit of knowledge of those terrorist attacks or potential terrorist attacks? Don't you think that they would be talking about them all the time? And yet, have you heard about them? You've heard the claims, but have you heard about the actual attacks or plots? I don't actually doubt that they exist because we have all kinds of crazy and terrible and evil people with all kinds of prejudices in this country. But the fact of the matter is there has been at least three, at at least three incidents over the past year since last April, when there was a man who ran his car into a gate at the Capitol, killing one police officer who also on social media had espoused Nation of Islam, black nationalist views. Um, There have been three of those kinds of incidents over the past year of people who publicly have talked about uh, the supremacy of the black race and being black nationalists. That includes so not just and I don't like to use I don't always like to use their names publicly because I think a lot of times these people are seeking some kind of fame and immortality in that way. So that was last April. You probably didn't even hear about it. You probably don't even know his name. I know his name, but you probably don't even know the guy who committed that terrorist attack at the Capitol last April. And then you've got um, you've got the Waukesha attack, the Christmas parade, where a black man who had talked about black nationalist, black supremacist views on social media, Nation of Islam views on social media, ran his truck through a Christmas parade, killing Six people, including a little boy named Jackson, who was eight years old. We don't hear about that anymore. You don't hear about that terrorist attack. And now we have this. So at least three, those are the three that I can think of in the last year. Now, I don't know, again, if those views are what motivated them to commit their crimes. I don't know. I'm more humble than a lot of the activists on the left when another type of crime with different racial makeup happens and they just assume the motives. I don't know. But I think that that information is pertinent to us trying to figure out what the motivation is behind it. So if we can think of just three in the past year, like shouldn't we at least say that this kind of terrorism, that these kinds of views are just as much of a threat at least, that they're just as dangerous at least? Like shouldn't we be decrying some of the rhetoric that we see these murders repeat, that we actually see talked about in the mainstream media and from left-wing activists Like, shouldn't we be talking about that? There's also that heinous crime that happened is probably a year and a half ago or a couple years ago now. The woman who was a Food Network star, she and her husband in South Carolina murdered uh, this little 
three-year-old girl who was white that they adopted. Um, and she had just a few weeks before they beat this little girl to death. She had talked about um, white privilege and how the white children that she adopted had white privilege and her black children didn't. Again, down the memory hole. Can't talk about that. We can't talk about how those kinds of racial views can actually, they don't always, and probably most of the time they don't because most people don't commit these kinds of crimes, but they absolutely can motivate people to carrying out violence because that's the logical end. Like if you tell people, hey, you are still just as oppressed as you were in 1619, hey, all of the cards are the deck is stacked against you. Uh, white people are so privileged, and all of your all of your problems are because of these white supremacist Republicans and evangelicals. If you sow seeds of that kind of hatred and that kind of bitterness, what do you think that you are? What do you think that you are going to reap? For some people, that is going to reap violence. And so I'm not saying that we should only talk about that kind of prejudice, that we should only talk about that kind of motivation, that we should only talk about these kinds of crimes, but we should be talking about them. Don't you see that this is a consequence of partiality? Like this is a consequence of bias. This is a consequence of us saying, oh, no, we can't talk about we can't talk about that. We can't talk about those kind of crimes because that's that's racist or that's that's bigoted. And I want to be seen as empathetic and I want to be seen as anti-racist and an ally. Okay. Well, that's you are then refusing to see things as they are. You are refusing to adhere to truth. And if you don't want to talk about that, then I have to wonder if you even talk about the victim or if you even care about the victims of these crimes. Like, we can't talk about the fact that less than 13% of the population, less than 13% of the population is committing 40% of all homicides in this country, 60% of all violent crime in New York City alone. 23% of the population is black Americans. They're committing 70% of all homicides. The reason that that matters is not just because they're the perpetrators of that crime, but because black Americans are the victims of those crimes. So we're talking about tens of thousands of people dying by homicide every day in wildly disproportionate rates. And you want to have some esoteric conver academic conversation about intersectionality and white privilege? Look, conversations about white privilege, it's in, about systemic racism and critical race theory, they're not helping. They're not helping save the lives of black Americans. They are conversations that allow rich academic people to feel like they're doing something without ever having to get off their couch. It's not helping anyone. It's not making anyone more joyful or more thankful or less violent. It's not saving anyone's lives. It's not going to it's not going to change the fact that more black babies are aborted in New York City almost every year than are actually born. Like if we want to talk about the problems, the problems of violence, what's actually killing black Americans, the problems that are plaguing uh, this community, then maybe we need to cut the uh, cut the silliness, cut the nonsense about these academic conversations about white privilege. And intersectionality and maybe we need to actually talk about the problems that are facing the community today maybe we just need to get real like maybe we should actually start caring about truth and i know you're not allowed to talk about this if you're white but look we share a country okay we share a country we share a society that means that in a lot of ways my problems are your problems and your problems are my problems and the problems facing one race of people in the united states is a problem that's going to affect another race of people in the united states and vice versa
So we all get to talk about this because we all have a share in this country. We all have a stake in our safety. I want the well-being of my fellow Americans, no matter their race, no matter their background. I want the success of people of all different kinds of backgrounds and races and socioeconomic backgrounds. That's what I want. I want success. I want well-being. I want safe communities. I don't want unfair discrimination and prejudice, but I also don't want racial bitterness that is based on a narrative that is simply not true, that blinds us from seeing the truth because when we are blinded from seeing the truth, again, that shapes our perspectives and our perspectives then shape policy. And policy then, of course, as we say so much, affects people. The truth actually matters. The truth actually matters. It also matters to the victims of these crimes that we don't stop talking about what's going on. It's actually the more compassionate thing to do, not to allow these to sweep under the rug. It's the most hateful thing we can do to ignore crimes because the race of the perpetrator doesn't fit our narrative and only talk about crimes when the white person is the perpetrator. Um, that, tells, that tells us a lot. That tells us a lot about you and what you actually care about. We should be talking about instances where people are hurt, no matter the narrative that it fits into, no matter the race. Um, so let's pray for wisdom and for guidance and saying and believing and seeing that which is actually true. Maybe start questioning a little bit what, what the people in your life choose to, um, choose to highlight versus not those who say that they care for social and racial justice. Maybe start questioning the mainstream narratives on things. Maybe start questioning the messages that you even hear from our federal government about what the biggest threats are. Maybe just start asking some questions and start doing some digging yourself. That's all I'm asking you to do. This is a tragic incident. Oh, and not to mention, not to mention, there was a mass shooting in San Francisco, or sorry, Sacramento, um, just a couple weeks ago. And why haven't we heard about that? Did you even know that that happens? Well, again, the race of the perpetrators, it just doesn't fit the mainstream narrative. We're not allowed to talk. We're not allowed to talk about that. Apparently, that doesn't matter. This will be used, of course, as a way to talk about gun control and all of that. Um, but it's just because that's the only way that this fits into a left wing narrative. We're not allowed to talk about what could be the motivations behind this and the level of homicide and crime that is facing those communities and has for a very long time that hasn't been helped by affirmative action, that hasn't been helped by the welfare state, that hasn't been helped by the democratic policies that have dominated these communities for decades. Maybe, again, we should just get real. All right, I want to talk a little bit about Shanghai. First, let me stop and tell you the craziness of the world, the headlines. Is it making you a little bit nauseous? Is it making you a little bit queasy because you're a little bit anxious about everything that's going on? Well, you shouldn't be because God is sovereign and he is in control and not even a hair can fall off your head without his knowledge and apart from his sovereign will. So you shouldn't be nauseous. But in case you are, for anxiety or other reasons, you might need relief band. There's really no worse feeling than feeling nauseous, especially if you're in public or on an airplane or something and you don't have nowhere to go. So you need relief band, which goes on your wrist and it stimulates a nerve that sends a signal to your brain that tells your stomach to stop being nauseous. About one out of three Americans regularly suffer from nausea or anxiety. And so about one out of three Americans really need relief band. It is the number one FDA cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve 
um, and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting from motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, uh, morning sickness, chemo, so much more. My sister-in-law has used it. It's been really helpful for her. She suffers from motion sickness. And so this could be a really great option for you and you don't have to worry about any side effects because it is completely drug free. So make sure that you go to reliefband.com. Use my promo code Allie for 20% off plus free shipping. This is an exclusive offer for my audience. Free shipping, no questions asked, 30-day money-back guarantee if it doesn't work for you. 20% off plus free shipping at reliefband.com. Use my promo code Allie, R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com. Promo code Allie. Okay, let's talk a little bit about Shanghai, which is another very just awful story that I don't think is being fairly covered by the media. And maybe that's kind of the theme for the theme for today, because we're seeing I mean, we always see a lot of propaganda from the mainstream media because they want to cover for the people that they want to cover. And so they just can't they just cannot bring themselves to actually report things in an unbiased way, even though that is supposed to be their job and our world would be so much better if we had an unbiased media. But the media, yes, they are covering somewhat what's going on in Shanghai, but they're afraid as well as the corporations that are so quick to criticize us. They're afraid of being too harsh, like they're afraid of being too critical of China because China has China, the CCP, and just really the Chinese market in general, but especially the CCP, um, there's a lot of money to be made there from uh, when it comes to the media and when it comes to the corporations like Disney and like Apple and all of those people who say that they claim they're they claim that they care about social justice and equality and all that stuff here, but they really have no problem doing business with a country that enslaves at least a million Uyghur Muslims, has no free speech, has no freedom of religion whatsoever, has some of the worst human rights atrocities and the least freedom in the entire world. They have no problem. They have no problem uh, bending over backwards to try to appease them and to work with them. But if it comes to like a heartbeat bill in Georgia, uh, or some kind of law in Florida that says, hey, teachers can't talk about gender switching to five-year-olds. And then these companies will freak out and say, oh, for the sake of justice and equality, I'm not going to work with this state or we're going to protest this state. Come on. It's all fake. And so you're not going to see a whole lot of like really harsh, critical critical coverage of what's happening in Shanghai, which, like I said, is that the CCP has locked tens of millions of Chinese people and Americans, people of all different nationalities that are in Shanghai, in their homes for, I think, a couple weeks now. And they can't leave to get food. They can't leave for any reason. And the videos that we are seeing come out of Shanghai are truly awful. I mean, you have people protesting by putting their empty refrigerators like on the balcony of their apartments so that you can see that they have they've run out. Um, Our researcher was saying from a source that she has there, she was actually able to come back to the States, this family, but for dinner, like they were sharing one single chicken breast between the three of them. So we're talking about families starving in Shanghai because the CCP is not providing them with food. This is 
by the way, what was happening at the beginning of COVID. But they've got the zero COVID policy where they're saying we can't have any positive cases of COVID, which is insane, insane for the vast majority of people, especially with the variants out there now. It's going to be a, a mild cold. Like, it doesn't matter. So I'm sure there's some ulterior motive going on here. In a city that has about 40 million people, I believe there were like 90,000 positive cases, which is a very small number of people. And again, the mortality rate is going to be super low, but people are actually dying by starvation now. People are dying by starvation and lack of water in Shanghai. People are killing themselves. It's a whole other thing. You've got an epidemic of people throwing themselves off uh, off balconies and murdering the, or in, and committing suicide uh, because of loneliness, because of starvation. I mean, people are just pushed to desperation. You're basically locking people down in solitary confinement, which is one of the cruelest punishments that you can inflict on a person. And I think another reason why the media is not going to cover this fairly, because there are absolutely politicians here in the United States, although I don't think their motivation would be starvation um, and like isolation-induced suicide, they would absolutely say that this is something that needs to be done, that this is how we combat COVID. I guarantee you there are politicians, Democrat politicians in the United States who would have gone to gone to this length, that they would have implemented these kinds of draconian policies 100 percent if they were legally allowed to, if they hadn't gotten any political pushback. I mean, we already saw some of this in a lot of Democratic areas at the beginning of COVID. And we certainly saw in places like Pennsylvania and places like New York, um, elderly people being forced back into their nursing homes when they were COVID positive and when the people around them were COVID positive. And thousands of them died unnecessarily because of that policy in these blue states. I mean, so that's not too far from what's happening in Shanghai. So that's another reason why the liberal media is not going to be covering this fairly, because they still have latched on to this nonsensical notion that has always been unscientific, that lockdowns work, that lockdowns help. Um, And that just the, the more you restrict, the more compassionate you are. It's like they don't care when people die by suicide. People, they don't care when people die by starvation. People are, they don't care when people um, die because they can't get the treatment that they need. And that's apparently happening in Shanghai. There was this terrible story of this elderly man. He was unable to get the uh, treatment that he needed for um, kidney failure, which could have been treated uh, because they are simply not treating people for anything other than COVID. And he was forced into isolation. And so there are absolutely politicians here in in Australia, abroad, in Canada. There are stories like this abound where from infants to elderly people, they were not able to get the health care that they needed, the life-saving care that they needed because of COVID policies. And so that's another reason you're not going to see a whole lot of, you'll see some, but a whole lot of fair coverage of what's happening in Shanghai because a lot of people admire the CCP. I mean, Justin Trudeau, the prime minister of Canada, literally said, that he admires China for its basic dictatorship back in 2013. And of course, we saw that manifested in how he treated the Freedom Convoy. And so it's really, really terrible. Kids are being separated from their parents if they test positive. And if they test positive, if anyone tests positive in someone's apartment building, then the whole building is shut down for another two weeks. I mean, it's insanity. It's insanity. And this, it was a terrible video of this little kid in this hazmat suit that was way too big for him. 
being pushed and prodded by the CCP, taken away from his parents to go to this quarantine facility. And reportedly, the quarantine facilities there in Shanghai are awful. You obviously have no privacy. There's apparently no warm water. There's no indoor plumbing, apparently, um, or uh, lacking indoor plumbing. The food isn't good. And so, I mean, this is who the CCP is. There's no such thing as a human right. They don't have a constitution. They don't believe that human beings are all made by God and therefore have equal rights, which, by the way, a lot of people in this country don't believe that either, which is how they justify their um, draconian treatment of people in the name of just keeping power. And so uh, that's what's happening in Shanghai. And that's also going to exacerbate the supply chain issues that we have and a lot of what's going on. Um, And I also just want to mention, I forgot to say this, that they're, gosh, it's just so sad. And this is like the least sad part of it because humans matter more than animals. But there are these terrible videos of authorities beating dogs to death because their owner tested positive for COVID. And there are videos of cats literally just put in these mesh bags all together like they're, I don't know, a bunch of melons or something laying on the side of the street. I'm sure they are going to just kill them. I don't know how. Um, This is also, this is from uh, Time Magazine, which I appreciate them actually reporting on this, that they're reporting on the uh, child separation. Um, And I know I'm kind of bouncing around to different things, but I'm just kind of thinking extemporaneously of everything I've seen with Shanghai. But um, this is Jenny Tao, her husband, and their three-year-old son. They tested positive for COVID. They were taken to a hospital. And she said that their 10-year-old daughter was taken alone to a quarantine medical center. Literally, worst nightmare. Worst nightmare over my dead body. The next day, the 10-year-old tested positive and was sent to the same hospital as her family, but kept in a different ward. Jenny Tao says, my daughter was alone in the hospital for five days. We made many phone calls. They kept saying that the kids have to go to the children's ward and there's staff, their staff there will take care of them. But in reality, there was no one taking care of our daughter. All the kids in the ward had to take care of themselves. The situation in the ward was a bit chaotic and they barely saw any nurses except at mealtimes. Um, videos of, ugh, it's just so sad. I don't even, oh, I just don't even think I can play it. The videos of unattended infants who were separated from their parents. This is according to um, The Guardian. They have been, they have tested positive for COVID and they have been separated from their parents and they're in the hospital reportedly. Um, And there's just a bunch of kids in these cribs by themselves crying and no one taking care of them. This is what's happening for zero COVID. And I guarantee you, again, that that could happen here. Don't think that it can't. Don't think that it can't. If you have been on the side of pro-lockdown, if you have been on the side of just rolling your eyes when people talk about the consequences of COVID restrictions, look at what's happening in Shanghai. And also realize that it's not like, well, at least lockdowns are kind of saving lives. No, there's no, there's no evidence of that. There's no evidence that lockdowns are closing down people's businesses or virtual learning or mask mandates or vaccine mandates, by the way, have saved anyone's lives. We have so mishandled this. I am so frightened for what's to come when there is inevitably another pandemic. Apparently, that's something that's um, that Bill Gates is already talking about, sadly. Look at this and see that liberty is not just a generation 
from dying. Um, as Ronald Reagan used to say, it's a generation away from extinction. But it can happen overnight. And what happens in China can absolutely happen here, especially when you have so many politicians and the family of the president of the United States. When you have them in bed with the CCP, when you have so many corporations in bed with the CCP, that can absolutely happen here. Don't think it can't. Um, let's get into the next sponsor for the day, and then I'll give us I'll give us some more uh, words of encouragement in just one second. Let me tell you about Patriot Mobile. So every day, as we were just talking about. We hear about another major corporation that says that they care about social justice, but really they're funding abortion and they're funding all of these terrible pieces of legislation and organizations that are actually fighting against the rights and the values that we hold dear. And so if you want to support a company that's not doing that, that actually aligns with the values that we have, then maybe you should make the switch to Patriot Mobile, which is America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers. You get the same great service, plus the peace of mind that your money is supporting free speech, life, and liberty. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, and their 100% U.S.-based customer support team provides exceptional customer support. Patriot Mobile shares your values and supports organizations fighting for the things that we hold dear. They also have special discounts for our veterans and first responder heroes. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Allie or call 972-PATRIOT. You'll get free activation with the offer code Allie. Veterans and first responders save even more. So make the switch today. It's time we support companies that love America, love you, and share your values. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Allie. That's patriotmobile.com slash Allie. All right, let us finish this out because I know we talked about some heavy things today, but we had a bit of a lighter episode yesterday and so try to balance it. But I always like to end these heavy episodes with a reminder that God is completely and totally sovereign, that nothing surprises him, that nothing shocks him, that nothing throws him off, that there there is nothing that makes him look down and say, uh-oh, I didn't see that coming. He is not getting off his throne. He's not worried. He's not concerned. He's not, again, wondering what is going to happen. He is completely and totally in control. He is uh, omnipotent. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. And so we can completely trust that his plan of redemption is going off without a hitch. Yes, there is evil in the world. Yes, there is corruption. Yes, there is deceit. Yes, there is murder. There is idolatry. There is the predation upon children and all kinds of awful things, uh, some of which we can't even really imagine or comprehend. There's evil that we don't even know is going on. And yet Romans 1 tells us that this is what the world looks like and will look like. This is a world dominated by unbelieving anti-God ideology. That's always what it has looked like, what it looks like to until today, there's really nothing new under the sun. Yes, there's different kinds of technology and there are different ways in which evil manifests itself, but the evil that exists is just a different manifestation of the evil that has been going on since since sin came into the world, since the fall of human beings. And so we have to trust that God is going to avenge evil, that he is going to take care of wickedness, that one day wickedness will be no more. There will be no more sadness. There will be no more corruption. There will be no more war. There will be no more 
partisanship. There will be no more lying media. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more evil tyrants that Jesus is going to reign in perfect peace and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is what we have to look forward to. Now, between now and then, what's our role? Our role is to be salt and light. Our role is to speak and act out that which is good and right and true. We are to be light in the darkness. We are continue to share or to continue to share the gospel. We are to continue to point people to what is true. I'm talking factually true, scientifically true, morally true, biblically true. All truth is God's truth. And I do think that we should be vessels of truth in every way to love in a way that is inextricably intertwined with truth. And there's so much big stuff, terrible stuff going on that we really can't control. And so we do what we can, of course, by voting, by getting involved, by choosing our causes that we want to care about. Um, But we are really just called to act in obedience and to the glory of God in what is right in front of us. Do your job well. That means be a good mom, change diapers well, clean dishes well, uh, homeschool well, um, love your spouse well, do whatever job God has called you to do well, study well. Um, let's do everything in excellence and love and joy and to the glory of God because the world has always been tumultuous and God has always been in control. And so we have just as much reason for joy now as we did 50 years ago, as Christians did 2000 years ago when they were facing far worse persecution than we here in the United States, at least are today. So we have every reason to be hopeful when God is doing one thing, he's doing a million things. There's lots of things that God is doing now that we can't see and are not going to make headlines and they're not going to trend on Twitter. So we can trust in that. Um, of course, continue to pray for victims of evil, continue to pray for justice and goodness and for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven and act in obedience. But we can't um, be riddled with anxiety about these things because we have faith in a God who says that he has got it completely and totally. Let me tell you about a very fitting last sponsor for the day before we head out of there. And that is Dwell. So if you are someone who you've been wanting to read the Bible more, but maybe you feel like you don't have time or maybe you're not familiar with the Bible at all and you want to get started. Let me introduce you to Dwell app. It's inspired by the psalmist command that we must hide the word of God in our hearts. Dwell has built a beautiful listening and reading experience for the scriptures with over a dozen new recordings of the Bible. They've handpicked voices that will engage and inspire you. So you're listening to the Bible and there's also an option to read along as you are listening. This is a great way to make sure that you are hiding God's word in your heart, even if you don't feel like you have you know, an hour in the morning to study the original Greek and Hebrew, which is awesome. But if you don't have time for that, you can still make sure that you are meditating on scripture and you're renewing your mind and you're reminding yourself of what is most important through scripture. Your time of scripture listening can be enhanced and reinforced as you read along to the Bible with Dwell and listen. It's time to get in the word. So to get started with Dwell, go to dwellapp.io slash relatable to get 10% off a yearly subscription or 33% off Dwell for Life. That 33% off means you save $50. So make sure to visit dwellapp.io slash relatable. Commit to scripture for the rest of this year or for life. That's dwellapp.io slash relatable, dwellapp.io slash relatable. All right, we will be back here tomorrow. I think I've said all right in every single transition. That's one of my transition words in addition to so and you know. 
And if you have not noticed that yet, now you will. Um, I still have a really exciting announcement for you, but I can't announce it yet because it's not quite ready, but it's going to be really fun for relatable listeners. And so I'm really excited about it. If you love this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. Please subscribe on YouTube. That would mean so much. And I'm excited for our 30-day challenge too, guys. Get ready. Get ready to get fit or even just get disciplined. I think that that's the thing that I'm really looking for in all of this. Um, All right, we'll be back here tomorrow and I will see you guys then.